Hey guys, real quick, before we get started, I have a small request. If you've been blessed by our content and you like this show, would you take just a brief moment and leave us a five-star review? This is quite possibly the most effective thing that you can do to ensure that this content gets out to as many people as possible. Thanks. All right. Once again, I am pleased to be joined by A.D. Robles and John Harris. I'm the host for this conversation, Pastor Joel Webin with Right Response Ministries. And we're going to speak in this episode about nationalism. We're going to talk about Christian nationalism. We're going to talk about pacifism, war, just war theory, the whole nine yards. But first, basically, we, we want to try to climax into the conversation of what are the criteria for just war? war and not just for individuals with conflicts but nations going to war we'll, we'll liken this to russian ukraine or china taiwan and some of the relevant issues in our day but first we have to argue because because the world has lost its mind for the legitimacy of nations to begin with we have to argue against pacifism that it's not a biblical um, principle and so we're going to start with nationalism first nations mean biblical and there's a good kind of nationalism and there's a bad kind of nationalism. Me and John were just talking about this before we started recording. So, John, pick up where we were talking. Yeah. So, uh, in order to get to to just war theory, just like we would, you know, talk about violence and adjudicating conflicts between individuals, we have to know that there's individuals, and they there's actually a certain sense of worth. They have possession. They have things they can own. Like we have to have. There's they a have whole right. set of assumptions to even approach the question of like how do you adjudicate things. So when it comes to just war theory, we're talking about nations in conflict. Well, if you don't believe that there should be nations or that there are nations or that nations, you know, having a nation is unjust, like you're not going to be able to approach this question. So we first have to like understand that nations actually are a thing. They exist. God created them Uh, throughout the pages of scripture. We find examples, obviously, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel being a prime example. And there's certain things associated with nations. Uh, you have uh, a language generally. There's um, traditions and habits, things even God laid down and gave Israel. Like, you're going to be different. And this isn't even like a moral thing. This is just like, I, you're going to be a distinct people. You're my people. You're holy. Um, there's, of course, religions uh, associated generally with nations as well. And one of the things with Christian nationalism today is there's the, the arguments being made by Christians that like, and this wouldn't have been revolutionary in the minds of anyone years ago, but now it's like, hey, Christians, Christianity influenced America. That's part of the identity of being American is at least tipping your hat to Christianity somehow. So religions are part of this. Um, generally, especially before the age of exploration, uh, there's your ethnic makeup. You would, people would have stayed in the same place, so they would have all looked similar. There, there's all these things that like kind of go with a nation. And so in the Bible, we see there's borders that God's ordained. We see that God's ordained uh, different people groups from the Tower right. of Babel forward, right? right? So all good, all, you know, this is what the Bible teaches, that there are nations. And it's a bit organic. Like, you know, there's, especially today with people traveling around like it, it's it, bec- it becomes a little harder sometimes to figure out where those lines always are we just we know that they exist though we know that um you, you know if you told me like hey what, what makes someone uh, an american or what makes someone uh you know an englishman or t- take whatever nation you want in, in the world uh it, it would be very difficult uh, to to come up with an itemized list that would capture everything, but we know it when we see it. We know like, right. oh, that guy's you know, he's talking about things that an English person would talk about and sounds like an English person. So, um, nationalism, right, has become the the flashpoint though for a disagreement, a, a fault line in America today and and across the Western world, because 
the very idea of what I just described, that nations exist, that they have sovereign claims, that they have borders to defend, that they, they should protect their people and not necessarily other people. They don't have responsibilities to some. They, there's a proximity here of responsibility. That's, that's, not very, uh, that's, that's not viewed as very tolerant. You're, you're not being equal. You should um, allow people to cross your border and partake in the benefits that your country gives to people who are residents and, and citizens of, of your particular country. So, uh, so, so, and there's a number of similar things. Refugees, you know, crisis would be part of this. And, you know, nations just aren't fair. You know, we need to like love everyone and proximity shouldn't have anything to do with it. So that's, that's part of the controversy that's happening right now. We should emancipate ourselves from the bigotry of nations and, the, the, um, the claim that a nation would have on the individual. Really, we should just have these atomized individuals that are just global citizens, right? Uh, there was a bad kind of nationalism, and the way that nationalism, the term was actually used was pretty much for a conservative would have been in the negative. Uh, going back to the turn of the century, the Bellamy Clubs, uh, Edward Bellamy wrote, wrote a book called Looking Backward, which was this utopian novel, very influential book. And his cousin, actually, Francis Bellamy, wrote the Pledge of Allegiance, which was was very much a nationalist kind of at the time. It wasn't conservatives who were like attracted to that. That was more like that, that was more progressives. It was a progressive um, uh, you know, civic ritual. So Edward Bellamy, um, he he has all these clubs that he helps in creating, but they're all over the country, hundreds of them. And they promoted and they called it. Christian nationalism. And the idea was that the nation as represented in the central government is going to provide all the things families should be providing, welfare, right. uh, living wage, uh, universal health care, like all this stuff would be provided through the government. And it's Christian to do that because Christians should be doing nice things for people. Like the socialism is Christian essentially. Mm -hmm. But this is a way of selling it to people in the United States who would like, they weren't down with socialism. Like that's a bad word. But if you call it Christian nationalism, right. hey, it's got a patriotic spin to it. You don't have the class conflict as much. It's like, hey, the nation is like all in this together, like upper class, lower class. We're all going to like help each other. And it's all going to be by consolidating all our power and our resources into a central authority to provide for everyone, right? Obviously, that's not what people mean by it now. So there's been a switch in the word and how it's used. The, uh, you can see this kind of nationalism today still in the Democratic Party, I think, to some extent, like January 6th. It was the temple of democracy. It was our nation's, mm -hmm. you know, greatest, uh, you know, it's a sacred place <laughs> and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was like you, you can't like that was the worst crime ever. But like BLM, not, like burning, burning down, down all the these businesses, like who cares? Right. Six months. Those are just mom and pop. You know, So like there's this priority given to the nation, the national capital, mm -hmm. because it's the center of control of authority resources all of that so um so that still exists on the left uh and on the right though there's been kind of a, a pushback against though the idea that um that there there we should all be global citizens and we should have like world economic forum stuff great great rate reset stuff that the pushback has been like nations actually exist and so the term that's being used for that is nationalism so it's very confusing that like briefly i know this is like a sermon but briefly <laughs> uh no, great. you have the originally nationalism being used a hundred years ago as state controlled kind of more of a socialistic idea we're going to pull all resources and have socialism in the nation mm -hmm. today it's just whether or not like 
our nation's actually a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Should we have them? Uh, if so, like what kinds of things confer identity to the nation? Christians think many uh, that, and even some non-Christians think that America is uniquely Christian. We have a Christian heritage. Christianity's influenced us. So part of being an American at least means understanding that having a cultural Christianity of some kind, it could be really diluted, but, sure. but even that is like a bridge too far for globalists who like, you shouldn't have like any, uh, anything that confers identity f- for a nation. Like we, we should, we're just like global citizens We're automatrons, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of like where the debate is right now. So before we can even get to just war, we got to like figure out like our nation, do nations exist? And I've talked enough. So yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, se- it seems to me that Christian nationalist is basically used as a, as a, just a insult to people that, um, <laughs> are not progressive liberals uh, and happen to be Christian. So basically anyone that's that's not a progressive, and even if they're like one of these conservatives, but they're like basically for all the progressive talking points, they're not Christian nationalists. But if you're against that stuff and you're a Christian, right. you're a Christian nationalist and that's really bad. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really think a whole lot of people that use the term have really thought really about it that much. It's just a, basically a Trump supporting Christian. is, right. is I think that's a, it's equal to them. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yeah. All no, that stuff right. is great. I agree with a lot of what you said. and But people that are like every day using it, it's just a shorthand for Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Well, if you notice, the flip was anti-CRT equals Christian nationalist. Sure. That was the way of the pro-CRT crowd to push back. Of like, yeah. you're just a Christian nationalist. You're idolizing the yeah. nation. Right. But they say the same thing about the family. The, sure. Well, the so. funny thing, so what you were saying, John, and then like what you're saying also, AD, is that it sounds like it, it's completely flipped because at first, a Christian nationalist was... A leftist, like a Christian nationalist, was somebody who wanted big, big state, big government, um, welfare, welfare state. You know all these kind of things, and I'm sure they wanted the nation to be successful and to be yeah. strong and to be a superpower and to take care of the poor and to do all these different things. And and what they're saying now, when they say a Trump supporting Christian or whatever, the irony is that like, but that's that's the opposite of what Christian nationalism yeah. started out to actually be because we're saying no, we want smaller government, um, we we want families to take care of the, their children. Yeah. We want there's a who- commonality. The common tie would be that na- like so Christian nationalists of the turn of the century, and even like if we get into like the fascist movements and Adolf Hitler and all that, I would put that in the same stream. Like they're they all are saying something. They're saying that yeah, socialism's great, but within the nation, then they they thought nations actually do exist. Now it became right. kind of an abstraction. It yeah. became like this like um, it, it wasn't an organic thing in the mind of like people like Hitler, but it, it was it was very ideologically driven. But they still were saying like there is this thing called the nation. It's got borders, right. and so anyone who thinks like oh nations and they should have borders and there's certain things that make you American or whatever, you must be Hitler. Like you must that's, right. that's what a Christian nationalist is, right? Right. So yeah, no, that, that, that's true. But I, I just like I, here's the thing. It's like there's so much. Uh, there's so much deception happening right now. And, and I think you kind of hinted at a little bit, you know, you know, guys like Russell Moore, you know, he's quivering with rage because you desecrated the whole of democracy. And, and yeah. you know, even now with the Ukraine-Russia situation, you know, he posted a picture of his son who's very proud of, who's in the Air Force, I think, or something like that. And, you know, it's a very, you know, like all military pictures, he's got the American flag back there. So obviously he's, he's fighting for a nation, you know, stuff like that. And I think like, I think like the progressives, like they will tell any lie. They'll be so deceptive 
for for they'll say anything as long as it's like at the moment for their narrative, right? So so I think like again like it's just like there might be some commonalities here, but I I don't know some of these guys they just seem to be complete slaves to the narrative, so they'll they'll say anything. I mean they'll be against Christian nationalism today. I it would not surprise me if tomorrow they're embracing the term because they're just deceptive. Some of these people. Um, I saw this great cartoon, and even mentioning this guy, I'll, we'll, you know, maybe we'll get some hate for this. For this, but it's uh, from a comedian named Owen Benjamin, and he was. It's it, it's the cartoon's called like If Satan Was Honest, and it's got it's got Satan talking to a guy who's like, well, how come it's like my body, my choice when it's abortion, but it's like not with the vaccine. It's like my body. And Satan's like, oh, so you're saying I lied? You don't say. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm lying every step. He'll, he'll say any lie to get you to do anything. Right. So the, I think with some of these guys, like, again, they're using it now t- because it's advantageous for them to use it. But tomorrow when they need to get you to be a nationalist to go that's to right. go to Ukraine to fight their wars, that's right. They'll they'll use it. They'll use it any way they want. And in fact, you see memes like this all the time. Is this Christian nationalism? And it's like, yeah, they're kind of all turning nationalistic all of a sudden. Now we we got to get gung ho against Russia. So I don't want to like I don't want to like put cold water on what you're saying because it's all good stuff. But I think some of these guys they're just deceptive. Yeah, and they'll use any dece- deceiving. Well, well, they are for. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying every single guy. Some of them are just shills for whatever yeah. the narrative. But there, there is uh, like big picture here a, a trend in liberal democracies to like emancipate from different things. So like, yeah. we got to emancipate ourselves from like arranged marriages and from monarchy and from certain labor relationships, and we got to emancipate ourselves from. Uh, gender roles and women need a place and now the family is this constraining thing that's keeping the, us back and and nations part of that like this nations are you know because because it infers that you have some kind of a responsibility yeah when you're born into a nation and so like if you take that away then now you're free like you, you're right. emancipated from the obligations you were born into and and so so there's this trend and now now there's posthumanism and all this this other stuff but it, i think that's like the world economic forum great reset stuff like that's they're they're pushing narratives that are going to consolidate everything into this globalist government yeah. and then the individual you know is going to be uh, be able to practice the full extent of whatever they want that makes them them and to express themselves Would and define you say, themselves John, then in that case that that this this idea of like you know cuz people are very ukrainian that na- nationalist right now and stuff like that <laughs> So they're they're willing to adopt that stuff because it serves their longer term goal, which is everyone's a global citizen. We're all in this together and stuff like that. Do you think that's like potentially part of it? Yeah. Okay. So man, this is a dangerous question because now we're, we're going to get into specifics of this whole conflict. But sure, I I, already, I did say this on my podcast already. That so go for it. There, yeah. So there is one narrative of this that is Ukraine is kind of uh, number one very corrupt. Uh, number two, Zelensky is like very you know, just go watch his video the, the interview not an interview but the speech he made at davos you know sure. this this guy is in the pocket of the globalists and so if, if ukraine if western ukraine and and zelensky's uh party and so if they win this right like that's that's a win for the globalists essentially so yeah it, it's like flying the colors of ukraine i get it like there's national symbols and um and all that, but I think um, there, there's something also bigger going on here that can make sense of why it's pro-Ukraine, sure, pro-Ukraine. Sure. And, yeah. and let me let me give you something else that kind of punctures a hole in this narrative a little bit. 
the you don't ever hear hardly any talk about the eastern half of Ukraine, right. which it tends to be more pro-Russian and um, and and especially in the the Donbas area, uh, they're welcoming Russian troops as liberators. Uh, you go go, go watch um, uh, Patrick. I can't remember his last name. Guy named Patrick. Uh, who, <laughs> uh, there, there's a, a guy I've been watching, an independent journalist who, who's going into these areas and just getting the stories. What's that? Patrick no, 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 no. It'll come to me probably in a minute. But anyway, um, the, the stories coming out of like the eastern sections of Ukraine are very different. So there's been a war for eight years. These eastern sections wanted a, a level of independence. That's what the Minsk agreements were all about. And part of why Russia went in is they felt like the Minsk agreements weren't being honored. So, like, what about them? What about their, like, nationalism, or if you want to call it that, or their identity they wanted to be kind of, it, it's, it doesn't matter, right? Right. So, so there's, it's a complicated situation, but there's always competing groups. Like, yeah. you know, is Eastern Ukraine, should they be their own thing? Because, well, they, they feel different. They speak Russian. They're culturally different than, than the Western part. Yeah. But, like, that doesn't matter. Those organic things don't matter. The, the lines that are there you know, must be honored because Putin crossed them. And that's like the only reason. Putin's the big ardent nationalist. So anything to stop Putin, anything to, I think, uh, you know, go against him is kind of like favorable right now. Which I think we're we're in agreement though before, and we we can go into this later, but like, you know, Putin shouldn't have invaded Ukraine. Right. I think we all kind of agree with that. But we also, and I don't know if we all agree totally on this, but we also recognize that there's a lot more at play than just he's a maniac that decided to want to take over Ukraine. Yeah, I don't think he's a maniac. I think he's a thug. Um, I'm not a fan of Putin, um, but I also am not so naive to say sure. that Ukraine is innocent, Putin is sure. guilty, and we should send our sons and daughters yeah. to police a border when we won't even police our own. So I'm not there. So so to back to the original kind of yeah. point where I got to this point. So like the, the general sort of push... Um, that you that you're, uh, uh, you know, people that are using this term Christian nationalist and stuff like that they want to be they're questioning the very idea of nations they'll use the idea of nations if it serves their goal to essentially like liberate us from the idea of nations and make us more world citizens yeah well, what is NATO what is the World Economic Forum sure. what is the European Union what, sure. what are all these things sure. well and biblically the, so sure. that's a great question and, and Ukraine wants to be part of all of these these sure. are globalist right. entities gotcha. Russia right. doesn't want a part in, in that exactly. and biblically okay. they sense. don't exist um, so like to answer that question what are these things from a biblical perspective NATO is is nothing the UN is nothing and I, I remember I appreciated hearing like just war theory it was some lecture on just war theory from greg bonson uh and uh specifically addressing the un and he's like well we're part of the un and we made this deal and we you know we have to go over and we have to do this um it's like well have have they uh put soldiers on our soil have they invaded us have they given us like an actual provocation for war legitimate valid reason to go to war well um and then it got into the issue of like okay well just uh, doing something that hurts our economy is that, in, in biblical terms, um, a valid reason to going to war? Or does, does it actually have to be they physically harmed us and not just economically harmed our, our comfort? And, and, uh, and well, but we have an allegiance with the UN. And we, you know, like, okay, in the sight of God, though, does is the UN even a thing? God, God has ordained nations. So, like, Acts chapter 17, everybody probably knows this, but it's helpful to read it. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live um, on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So nations are God's idea. He he ordained them. He determined them. He determined um, their geographic regions, how much they would possess, 
what they would not possess, and how long they would last. They're allotted um, years, periods. And not just that, but just for if there's any antagonist, he would say, okay, well, God ordained that there would be nations at some point, but that doesn't mean it was his indefinite plan. What if God you know, had nations with Babel, but wasn't that because people were divided? And isn't that kind of a bad thing? And maybe God's you know, plan was to have nations for a season, for a time, and then eventually for it to become this one world order, this global, you know, and I was, I would debunk that as simply by just saying, um, no, I know that nations are not just God's temporary idea, but his indefinite idea all the way until Jesus returns, because the nations are precisely what Jesus has been promised to inherit. Can, can I throw He's not going to inherit just one global world order. He's going to inherit individual sovereign nations. Yeah, totally agreed. I want to throw something at you, maybe yeah. that, that you could riff off of a little uh, and give an explanation as, as a pastor. The narrative out there right now in evangelical land is, and, and I'll quote Willie Rice again here. Mm. Hey, you guys just Willie been, Nelson. <laughs> I, I just watched a lot of him over the last few days. <laughs> I get it. Uh, you know, he said something that you hear a lot, which is that the great, uh, or not the great commission, oh, I guess it is a great, yeah, the great commission uh, is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. And that like the Great Commission has like essentially superseded what God did in in making different I've nations. Heard, I've heard Pentecost as a reversal. Of oh, maybe the I think that's what he said. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Pentecost is a reversal. But yeah, okay. yeah that's go the, I, I got it wrong. See, that's why we need a pastor. <laughs> uh, so so he he said this, and and the idea is that the church is kind of like supersedes all these things. Right. So like we're all one in Christ, we're all in the church. Therefore like these national things don't matter. The like national boundaries, national identities, um you know yeah. like it, but we would never say that about like your family doesn't matter exactly. or other. So so what do you so think? So let me yeah, let me riff on that for a second. So Galatians, right? So Galatians 3 everybody quotes this. I think it's 28. What is it? Where um neither male nor female, slave nor free. Oh Jew right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to I want to it up exactly galatians 3 i think it's 27 or 28 yeah it's galatians 3 28 28 all right so uh there is neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free there is no male and female for you are all one in christ jesus okay so the same apostle who wrote this underneath the inspiration of the holy spirit also wrote ephesians 5 and he wrote first timothy chapter 2 and first timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1, and all these, and, and not just Ephesians 5, but if we want to get, you know, really controversial, he wrote Ephesians 6, which talks about slaves and their duty to not just as man pleasers, eye pleasers, but to submit to their masters and do the work as unto the Lord. And so my point is, Paul says there's no distinction, right? There is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And then he speaks to these individual subcategories of, of the church. So the church is the overarching category, yes and amen. But then, then Paul recognizes distinctions within the church, subcategories, and then he gives specific words of exhortation and commandments from the Lord Jesus Christ based off of what station of life you're in. First Corinthians 7, he says this, the same thing. He says, whatever station of life you're in, when the Lord calls you, remain there. Um, if you are circumcised, don't seek to undo it. If you're not circumcised, don't seek to be circumcised. But it's not just about circumcision and, and Jewish rituals. It's not, this is, that's different than when Paul goes after the Judaizers and Galatians. In 1 Corinthians 7, um, he, he's addressing stations in life in terms of um, if, if you're in the civil magistrate, right? If you're the Philippian jailer, when you come to Christ, um, the first implication of the gospel um, is not that you quit your day job. I think that's one of the reasons why why we've we've lost so much in the political cultural war in America is everybody who got excited about Jesus who was a dude 
um, thought uh, that he should be a pastor. Mm. Yeah, Everybody right. did what, what I did, right? I thought if I want to be significant and do something significant for Christ, it must be being a pastor. That's how you become a, a, a that, next a, level Christian. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Super sane, hair goes right. blonde, you know, so that, yeah. So so anyways, all that being said, there are distinctions. So husbands and wives, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, husbands are called to do one thing, wives are called to do another. Um, but wait a second, how does that how does that reconcile with Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 This says there's neither male nor female? If there's not male or female and you're just all one in Christ Jesus, so obviously you can see the point that I'm making. The point is that yes, you're one in a sense of unity, but that doesn't mean androgyny. And and I think that's part of the problem. The reason why we have functional egalitarianism, this is something we have working it in. See how I did that? I'm working it in. But the, the way that we have functional egalitarianism while having a bunch of evangelical ministers claiming to be complementarian is because their complementarianism is their theory. They're complementarian in theory. They're androgynous in actual conviction and actual belief. And so they're egalitarian in terms of function, in terms of practice. And so my point is complementarianism, the moment that we just say distinctions only have to do with role, but, but there's not actually anything distinct in God's design of us that will our, our role is always going to stem by our design. And so if there's no difference between men and women, then there shouldn't really be any difference in our role. And we can say there is, but ultimate functionally, it's going to work out the same way. So all that being said, there are distinctions. God has set up distinctions. So there's unity in Christ. There's unity at the Lord's table, right? That we're a slave will be found at the communion table in America, by the way, despite the, 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 the failures in our history, there are still wonderful stories of guys who are now demonized because they were fought for the Confederates, but who were at the Lord's table when it was all said and done, sharing the supper with, with slaves, you know, as equals in Christ. But, but then they went out from the Lord's table and they recognized we have different roles throughout the week. And so all that being said, nations are God's idea. He ordained them. They're not going away because Jesus is going to come back and inherit them. So they're going to last at least that long until Jesus returns to receive them as his own blood-bought inheritance. And so in the meantime, uh, the question is just like there's no male, male and female in terms of unity, oneness in Christ, but there are roles for a wife and roles for a husband. Um, okay, then what are the roles for nations? There, there's no Jew or Greek. There's no there's no Russian in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but there are at the same time it, it, what do we do yeah no it totally and if i if i could add to it just um this is a, a mental exercise i think it's very helpful in understanding like how complicated or how 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 actually fundamental really is the word that this issue is what if you just ask someone like it's like such a simple question right like what what makes someone an american Right. Like you think like, oh, like, you know, is it eating apple pie? Is it because, you know, you like football? Is it well, what is it that makes someone American? And, and more than that, what makes uh, someone able to take part in the privileges of being an American citizen? Like identify those things. They're like, well, they're here. They're, well, people fly in here from all over the world all the time. Right. Like being geographically here. Is that it? Oh, well, you know, like, what are you going to use? What do you what, so? It, there's there's something I think more organic, but beyond that, we we know an American kind of when well it's getting harder, but the, it, it used to be like you an American was someone who um, goes through we've kind of agreed uh, a process of citizenship. They have to know some things about the history here. They have to share in certain ten values and tenets. We've set this bar right for people coming here uh, in order to have to access those privileges. But those privileges have been like passed, fought for, sacrificed for generations. Uh, you know, 
like dying and wars fought to get to the point of where we are with the security mm-hmm. that we enjoy, the uh, standard of living, social security, all this stuff. And not everyone across the entire world is going to be able to take part. Right. And, and those are just the financial things. But, the, you know, so so it's it's kind of a complicated question in a way. And and I think um, the the globalist answer and, and and the way that we're being wired now to think about these these hard questions is just to think that, that well there there really isn't anything like to be an American just means you just believe in equality like it's the bar is so low <laughs> for mm. what it means that like I don't understand like why why wouldn't we let people across the border and just come in and like work here and take advantage like there's nothing it means nothing to be an American right so. Um, so, so we're kind of losing national identities, and I think yeah. that's that's a, part of that's because we're losing a shared history. We're, we're, so when right. you, when you have half of the country start rewriting a whole new history, and it's not just it's not that we're divided over um, our perspective on or how we feel about a shared history. I think that's a good history. I think that's a bad history. No, we're literally writing two different stories. You know, so part like so. What does it mean? What what is it? What does it mean to be American? Well, like part of it is a shared culture. Part of it is a shared history. Part of it is shared convictions and beliefs. But in in all those ways, um, it's beginning to fracture. Um, It's, well not beginning to it's it's very fractured and, and in some ways this goes back to like different groups colonizing different areas and for but, sure um but like during the cold war it was like everyone was like we know we're not that like the ussr right, right? like we're not that so we're like all agreed here but i'm saying just even just a few years ago people would look at yeah. our history and say slavery was bad right but but there's a difference in in some people saying like oh, i'm a confederate you know and then some people saying like slavery is bad um, versus now, we're, we're, it's not just uh, two different feelings about a shared history, positive and negative. No, it's two different, like the nation started at two different times, 1776 versus 1619. It's two different stories. It's not two different feelings about one story. And we can't make up our mind how to feel about it, if it's a good story or a bad story, or or maybe, God forbid, a little bit of both. Like, um Instead of that, it's like, no, we're, we're writing two different stories Wait, for two different right. people. And you see that in the nation of Israel, right? Look at these yeah. pile of rocks. You're going to tell your sons, like right. your fathers are responsible. It's fathers, by the way. Mm-hmm. Fathers That's are responsible right. for passing Patriot. down yeah. uh, history. to, And that confers an identity. That is like, you're not supposed to do that now. Like any sense of like God, God's providence had a hand in the story of the winding story of how you got to be where you are. But if you cut yourself off from that, then you lose obligation, you lose responsibility, you're easily taken over, you're pacified. And so I think that's that's kind of what's going on. People are losing that connection with their past, with their families, with their regions, with all, all of these things we're kind of emancipating ourselves because as James says, right? It, the sources of quarrels and conflicts among us are the selfish desires we have. Mm-hmm. The world says sin's not in here; it's out there. It's all these structures and all these things that have like cramping your style and, and keeping you back and making you not you know want to be who you're supposed to be because there's expectations and social expectations. Like just emancipate yourself, and and, and we're kind of seeing how that's going, and it, it's it's just fractured. It makes us weaker, yep. you know. Um, so anyway, it, 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 I think that's that, that's part of one agenda. It is Satan's. It's Tower of Babel 2.0. And it doesn't mean that everyone who's against it is a Christian. Uh, some people just want to conserve, you know, whatever they know and maybe even 
you know, lower rungs on the, the egalitarian globalist ladder. They, you know, they don't want the next step, but the other, but, but we as Christians though, I think have a rootedness about this because we're like, God designed the place. God made things the way they are. He set up things so that we would, it's natural to, to want to, it's not like God created flags, but it's, it's natural to want to wave a flag for your region or your country or your like sports is like a natural thing Com- competition like god made guys a certain way like we just go on and on about all the things that are wired into creation and uh and, and so what's happening now can't work long like it's artificial right. the only way it can be imposed is by totalitarianism yeah and that's kind of where we're headed so i think it's amazing like how how all of the things that we we've talked about already today and all the stuff we talk about in general it's so connected Everything is, is interconnected. It's it's a matter of authority, right? So you're talking about um, rewriting history and having two different stories and things like that. And when you think about when Israel was conquered, this is what they would do. They would they would educate them according. I mean, you're going to be a Babylonian now. You're going right. to be an Egyptian now. And so then we get the the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible. Moses wrote those books. And in Genesis, when he's talking about creation. He's got to re-educate them because they were educated as Egyptians. So they, mm. they knew creation the way an Egyptian would know creation. And so he's like, no, no God, in the beginning, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. And he goes mm. through the story of this is, this is, but this is, the thing, this, this is what, a, what a conquering king does. They, they, they educate your, the people according to his story. And so God is God. And so his story is the correct story. So he does it and it's really good. But regularly this is done and it's not good because they're imposing a different story, their right. own, you know, story, their own mini like fake God story. So it's just so interesting that like we're talking about wars here and globalism and nationalism and stuff like that. And it's so connected to the woke stuff. It's so connected to the feminist stuff. It's like the same problem. Mm-hmm. It just rearing its ugly head. Yeah, rejection ways. of God's authority. For sure. Um, what, so, so one thing on like the nationalism thing, like Christian nationalism that I hear people, because you mentioned it way earlier in our conversation, AD, in terms of idolatry. You know, like it's like this accusation that you sure. idolize America. You love yeah. Trump. You love America more than Jesus. You love Trump more than Jesus. You know, yeah, you do. Like, like that America is your actual allegiance more than Christ. Sure. And, and so one thing I would just say to that, like, is that, okay, first in the reformed camp, which all three of us would fall into, you know, that underneath that big header. I, you're either dispensational, which I'm not. I know you're not. Are you dispensational? Oh boy, I want to plead the fifth on this. Okay, I, I'm, I'm in a process of figuring some of that out, but uh, according to some definitions, maybe according Progressive to others, no. Progressive covenantalism is that where you're at? I, I would be in the premillennial camp at this point, okay. um, but yeah, whether historic or dispensational, I, I've heard explanations that from both sides that I would yeah kind of be cool. like, okay, I feel like I agree with that, but. So if you're in the dispensational camp, my point is sure, that I'll, I'll be that you guy don't if believe, you want sure. me to. So right. if you're, you know, so my point is <laughs> underneath the reformed big banner, you got some guys who are dispensational or they're leaky dispensational is what MacArthur would say. But my point is those guys don't believe that, the, uh, that, that Israel has been replaced. Right, Israel is still alive and well, and has certain land promises that it's going to receive, and all these kinds. Of, Israel has not been replaced. Then you got the covenantal guys, and so whether you have like Reformed Presbyterian, like AD with the Westminster, or you have Reformed Baptist with the 1689. In both cases, we would be in the covenantal. Now, AD would laugh and say that I'm not really covenantal until I baptize my kids, but we'll never um, do that. but yeah, okay. <laughs> but it's still a spectrum, a sliding scale of covenantalism. Um, and so my point is, with the covenantal guys, um, I don't. 
don't like, you know, it's really a derogatory term, replacement theology, but I would say fulfillment theology, that Israel uh, was fulfilled in the church. My point is to say that dispensationalists, they don't believe um, that Israel has been replaced. Covenantal guys, they believe that um, Israel, for lack of a better term, has been replaced, but not by America or by any other nation, Brazil or China or Russia, but that, that Israel has been replaced by the church. So virtually zero Reformed Christians believe that America is the new Israel. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's, it is a boogeyman. It is gaslighting of the highest order. It sure. does not exist. Sure. Theologically, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I mean, not it, as an reformed, error, it exists. You're right, not it, in the reformed it, world. It, it, it shouldn't. It's, it's, it shouldn't. Right. But but it, but I I would argue that the the Puritans especially did have the, the city on a hill, right? That we're going right. to create this great hope. society Post here. Mill, that we're gonna we're we're gonna just implement the Bible. And what happened in like one or two generations? Like it, they were going all secular, Unitarian, and and, and now you can look at New England but even and then, AD can the tell Puritans, you a lot. But, no, I'm with you. But even but, then, so I would push back on the, even then. The Puritans were the most covenantal group of Christians that we've had, arguably. It's for sure since the Reformation, but even arguably before that. So my point is, the Puritans, yes, they had the Puritan hope, but, you know, they, and like Jonathan Edwards was post mill, right? And but they, but they were not saying that America has replaced Israel. Uh, they, they would right, say no, that the no. church has replaced. But Israel. there was this special. So so like. Um, the, the the wilderness was this howling wilderness for us to go carve out and create this great new land, right? Mm -hmm. Which is very different than the Reformed people who settled more in Virginia, uh, who would have been Anglican, Presbyterian, right. primarily, not Puritan. So, like, the, the Puritans did have this sense of, like, we're going to perfect things. Yes. And I, and I do see a vein of that today. Um, that that's tr like I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but I, I do think that stay out of it. Yeah, stay out of it, AD. No, <laughs> I, I do think that um, that that tendency to um, to think of the land where like the jurisdiction that we live in as the place where we impose, uh, you know, some kind of a perf perfect standard. I think that's been sort of retained in a way that puritanical spirit and people still use the term that way. Like you're puritanical if you're like a hardliner. Right. And sometimes that's used as a pejorative against Christians who just have standards. Yeah, yeah. Other times though, it's just like, it's just someone who just is super nitpicky and just really like is, is about imposing some standard, like, you know, not sweeping their own porch, but sweeping everyone else's and nosiness and stuff. So, so I, some I, standard, like what, like what standard? What do you mean? Like the law of God? You, what do you mean? Like what, what standard? Oh, like, well, today it's the social justice stuff. Oh, like it's okay. morphed into that. But like, I think like you can trace from Puritanism to like, right. Not, I'm not saying the lines are, history doesn't work this what way. What I'm trying to say is that but, I think the Puritans were on to something. And I think that's what you're pushing back against and saying that there are still well, some I, today. And I think I might be one of those some that you're talking about. <laughs> well, well, I think you might be too. And you're staying out of it, but. Well, no, what I'm trying to say is that like to see, so America is, I think there's a special place, but for one reason, really primarily, or I mean, there could be more. I mean, I, but it, Christianity influenced this country. Yes. That, that's a huge part of it. I also like, you know, the region I lived in, the beauty of it. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of other things that factor sure. into like, but we love our country. And it's the same, like, I think it's easier to break it down when you break it down into smaller units. So like a family, right? Like, I'm proud of my family. Why? Well, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. World's best dad. I give him that card. On, you know, do I really <laughs> think he's the world's best dad? Right? Well, like, no, I'm just saying he's my dad. Right? Yeah. I, there's an ownership there. Right? And so, um, so I'm not like saying I hate other families or whatever. Like, like I, and I'm not trying to change what they're doing. I just love my family. I think in Puritanism, though, there was this like 
crusading spirit of like of, of forcing change yeah. not just um not not even just in our backyard but in other people's and i think that yeah. that that eventually you know some of that morphed into kind of the the leftist stuff we're dealing with today they went secular and so again you can read right. the puritans there's great stuff in the puritans but that perfectionist instinct has made america this like I think like we're we're the place that's going to do it right. Like every we're the grand experiment. We're like no other nation has what we. And I'm like oh, I do, mean, uh, uh, <laughs> would you say? Can you name another nation that that what that has gotten as close? Because I want to say that, oh, Great you know, Britain. Our, yeah, Great Britain during the you know the the height of the Victorian age, perhaps. I mean, like you know they're very i mean they christianized the world probably more than any other country if you want to think you know i don't know if all the christianization was all good but like right. you know there were legitimate christians there who um you know you, you could think i mean the nation of israel obviously is a historical example mm-hmm. i mean um during you know the roman empire you know after it became uh you know to the holy roman empire and all that right. i mean that was uh-huh. a christian kind of yeah so so i mean there, there, i think there's examples out there but um but but what makes America in the minds of today's like egalitarians like it's equality? They always go back to that. Right. Like America's not even a place; it's just an idea now. It's right. just yeah, yeah. and it's like the idea of the whole world. We can just go plant America in Iraq, and they're all just going to accept democracy in yeah. America. And it's like no, like let's just sweep our own porch. Let's, you know, that that's my mentality. Like let's let's you know different cultures are going to be different. They're going to set up different governmental structures, and like that's I'm okay. Totally with you on that. I right. Yeah, I'm totally like I don't think we need to go and police other nations, and that get, like gets into our whole conversation about just war theory and the well the legitimacy of nations and sovereign nations, and exactly what you know what we read with Acts chapter 17 that like God appoints nations. So I don't think that America should go around and police the world, and I don't think that we really have a you know because the standard has to be the scripture. It has to be the law of God. And, and I don't see um, a particular law that's, that gives one nation the right. It's, another, it's, it's one thing if they're being invaded. It's one thing if, if they're being attacked. But, um, but there's an argument for proximity. There's an argument for, you know, so for us, America, to go to the other side of the world and enforce, you know, our version of democracy and all those kind of things. But in terms of policing and other people's backyard within our nation, um, all, all legislation is imposing morality. So every time, every time we seek to, you know, and I think that's a lot of what the Puritans were doing is like, all right, we're starting a nation here. It's a new land. We, we've got to set up some kind of polity, some kind of form of government, sure, yeah. governance. And so what standard are we going to use to determine morality? What's right? What's wrong? How it's going to. And at times, yes, they were puritanical. And, you know, when they got guys in stocks because they, you know, they threw a football on the Lord's Day. Or they kissed their wife you know? on the porch yeah, yeah, and they're exactly. in jail. Or right, yeah. Roger so, Williams and Hutchins. Yeah. yeah, yeah so that. there was some of that. And then the Salem witch trials and things that, you know, like there was some some things where where people kind of the psychosis and fear and, and lost their minds and got overly legalistic for sure but my point is um my point is i do think that like yeah we should not be policing for other nations but we do have i think as citizens of this nation we have an obligation um to our christianity has to walk into the voting booth with us it has to oh, us, i know i totally you know, agree with like, you yeah and, totally. and that is going to affect other families and the way they live in this nation and i have no apologies about that. I absolutely, absolutely want to legislate God's law in such a way that other families, uh, thou shalt not murder. Not just my my family, other families. I need to make sure thou shalt also not murder. Not that's not just for the Webin household. That's for anybody anybody in this nation where I have a civic duty where I can influence the, the law. So yeah, no, anyway, I'm with you. That, on that. that was totally, my only totally. point. That yeah, go ahead. Ad's got to do it way in here somehow. I, well, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
No, I, I, I try to stay in my lane. I just don't know enough about the history of the Puritans or anything like that to even comment. But I did, I did want to comment on one thing you said, John, because I, I also find it's helpful to break it up into smaller units, right? So, you know, regularly Christians are kind of um, almost shamed and because they, they don't think, you know, every day about the situation that's going on in, you know, name the country. It doesn't matter, right? Um, or or even, even something locally, it's like, well, you only care, you, you don't care as much about issues that affect the black community as you care about the issues that affect the white community or whatever. I think sometimes that's just a lie. It's just something that they say. But I try to break it down. It's like, is that really that bad though? Because when you think about it, like, I care more about the situation in New Hampshire than I do about the situation in Texas. Because, not because I don't like Texans, but because my life is in New Hampshire, right? right? My family's in New Hampshire, you know, and things like that. I care a lot about what goes on in my household. Like, you know, I, I, I think about it, it dominates my thoughts, what's happening in the Robles household. I think a little bit less about the things in my community. I think a little bit less about the things in my, you know, state. And then you can keep going from there. And so I, I dedicate very little time thinking about what's going on in name the country, right? Um, I think that's natural. And I don't think that's bad or, or, or something that we should apologize for. And I think like, so, so nationalism goes into that. So as a Christian, um, I ought to consider my own nation important. It's, it's something that I have some loyalty to. Now, is it, I, does it become idolatry? Well, there's only one way to know if it becomes idolatry. And that is, is if you uh, start um, siding with your nation or doing stuff for your nation that is contrary to what God would have That's you right. do, right? So the, the, the scripture that I always think about is, is Luke 14. I'm just going to read uh, the, 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 first verse, uh, the first verse from it. It says, If any man come to me and hate not his father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brethren, his sisters, and yet, yea, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. What, what, that's not, that, what that's not saying is abandon your family, obviously. Right. Well, what it's talking about, it's a matter of loyalty. Right. So if your wife tells you to sin, you can't do that. You have to disregard that because you have to have loyalty to God that supersedes it. So when someone says that you're a Christian nationalist and what they mean is you're an idolater, you know, the only way to, to know that is are you advocating for your nation over God's law, over right. God's commands? Right. And if I say. I'm gonna. I want to stay out of this this situation that these two countries are fighting over here. We shouldn't send them guns. We shouldn't do economic sanctions. We shouldn't do anything like that. Um, I'm saying that because I believe I'm applying God's law in that situation. So, it, 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 how can it be idolatry if it's if it's going along with what God says? God doesn't right. turn you into a non-American when you become saved. Exactly. Just like He doesn't turn you into a non-Harris or a non-Webin. Right. Like you're you're still a Webin. First Corinthians seven. You know remain. I mean? and that's right. why I was using that reference. Like remain yeah. in the station when the Lord right. called you. Like you don't you don't. If you get saved, you don't get to leave your marriage. Yeah. Even if they're an unbeliever, if God saves you and doesn't save your spouse, if they're content to remain with you, then you remain with them. Yeah. And so like you remain in those stations. You don't just come out, come out of everything. And I think that's part of the reason why we're losing, yeah. you know, like is because guys get saved. They get excited about Jesus and they come out of everything. They, they come out of all their friendships. They come out of their vocation. They come out of this. They come out of that. And uh, when Jesus says, leave your father and mother, the, the, the point is, uh, follow me and and if if i don't save them also they'll leave you and you need to be willing to let them leave yeah. let them go um and so but all that being said the the irony though is so i completely agree with you on so on the one hand you can get accused of being a christian nationalist by being an idolater right um and it's and it's a fake accusation but it's like you love america more than you love jesus um and and the irony is it's like 
No, um, and the proof is exactly what you said, Eddie, was so good. The proof that I love Jesus more than America is my allegiance to Jesus trumps my allegiance to Trump. <laughs> you know, my allegiance to Jesus trumps my allegiance to America, which, and, and it's like, well, prove it. Um, here it is right here. I, I am constantly decrying my own nation when it is in, in contradiction to the law of God, to scripture, to God's standard. Now, the problem is, ironically, now you get called a Christian nationalist again, but now for a sure. second reason, not because you're an idolater who loves, you know, uh, America more than Jesus, uh, but because you're trying to make America a Christian nation. And so yeah. now Christian nationalist takes on a whole new meaning, which that one, and, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to come out and say I'm a Christian nationalist because it's just, it has like 17 different meanings. <laughs> I know? like doing it because it but, just triggers people. Exactly. Instantly. It's shibboleth. It goes back to our previous recording. <laughs> but but in that sense, if Christian nationalist means you're trying to make yeah. America Christian, sure. then then color me a Christian nationalist. Yeah. Um, right. I'm, I'm on board. Well, we're, yeah, we want to make every country. You know, we, we, we want wanna, to disciple the nations. Right. That's part of our calling. And, and teach them to obey Jesus Christ. But, but I think that the, the root issue here is more... Is that part of the identity that America, like right. as an American, like is that one aspect like Christianity is part of being? Just like if you're in Saudi Arabia, being a Muslim sure. would be right. And so, so, so that's what like I think a lot of this debate is I over. Think so. Like there shouldn't be any religious anything attached to your Americanness. Sure, I, I disagree. And, and so no, I, no, I'm I'm oh, not oh, saying I'm oh, saying that like, that's what they're saying. So, gotcha. So, gotcha. And, and I actually, you know, kind <laughs> of I, I try to <laughs> lean into some of this stuff because, like you said, like just now, like you know, the proof that. I don't love America more than I love Christ. Look, that's great. I'm not saying you're wrong about that. What I'm saying is, I, I, I love. Being I was a, just repeating you. I love America because I love Christ, right? Because, right. Because you know, Christ, right. Christ has put me here, and He put me in this time, in this with these boundaries and with this situation. Um, and and you know, I, I have to check myself sometimes because I, 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 and it might be hard to believe, but sometimes I can be a bit of a contrarian. Um, <laughs> and so, like, I do need to check my own heart here because you know, I don't want to be the guy that. Like, you know, even even with like President Joe Biden. Right. So um, I've, I've said things off the cuff about Biden that I regret I should not have done, because at the end of the day, God, God has put me in this situation, whether he's a legitimate president or not. He is the president mm-hmm. and he's, he deserves a certain amount of respect, a certain amount of um uh, honor that he's due, right? Because God says so. I mean, uh, yeah, that's the, just, o- the office. Right. So 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 regardless so, of who fills it. Exactly. Exactly. And so. um we, we, we owe that as Christians because we love Christ we we, we should honor the, the president you know what he's due right and that, that that's a fact and so as an American like uh, I, I like being an American I'm pro-America because I'm because I believe that Christ has put me here and 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 that's part of the job of being a Christian you know loving the people that are right in front of you right around mm-hmm. you and um, you know a nation ought to be in my opinion uh, sort of like an extended family. Now, I, I believe that's been eroded so much in, in this country where it's, it's hard to say that it is that in this country, mm-hmm. but it ought to be. We have an identity crisis. It's a tremendous identity yeah. crisis. And, 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 and this is proven by, like, I've been thinking through lately, like, you know, what if, just what if, I mean, this will never happen, but what if a country decided to invade the United States, right? Like, would I take up arms to protect the, what am I protecting? You know, and like I want to say yes because I I feel like I'm a patriotic guy and I'd want to defend my family, you know, and stuff like that. I'd definitely defend my family, of course. Yeah. But what? But if they call, if they started rousing troops and we we need to defend our nation, like I'm not even sure what that even means to some of these guys, right? Mm-hmm. So because I know what I would want it to mean, but what do we he, produce? What do we have that's worth defending? Mm-hmm. 
You understand what I'm saying? It's a, yeah. And, and I, I consider myself a patriotic guy. And if I can't answer that question, yeah, I'd take up arms. Like, that's a tremendous problem, I think. Well, yeah. we've had years of defending democracy around the world. Yeah. And, and and we've justified what we've done with, you know, some ulterior, some motive that's pure. But it's usually not related to yeah. our, like, our family's not being threatened by anyone, right? Right. So it's not like a defensive thing generally. It's 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 for the people of this country that we're doing, you know, and it's like that that's uh, that, that would get us right into just war theory if we continue down this path. Sure. But um but that's I think that's years of that has really weighed on us. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like what what why are we doing this? Who's actually benefiting from this? That's the other thing that yeah. we're probably thinking like um is it people who don't care about our life, don't have an attachment to my home and my way of life and what I want to preserve? Right. So um, I think was it just recently a wrestler or a UFC fighter right had had said something I don't know if you guys saw he was on Tucker uh, mm-hmm. Carlson I, there was a clip he was a UFC fighter from I think Arkansas who was like listen I don't want to go into this conflict in Ukraine um, if they start coming to Arkansas like I don't care if everyone's running away I'm digging my heels in the boot and I'm fighting to the light. like that was his, sure. his and it was like a lot of people are rallying to it sure. like that's what I feel like yes if they come in my my yeah. house my sure, town. Right. Like I'm totally defending it, but like to go like thousands of miles on the other side of the world for something that, like they're not threatening me, they're not attacking me. Like sure. why would I? So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I that's see that's the that's my whole point. Like I would want to be like that, right? Because I and I, that's what I ideally would want would would do. But like here here's something I saw the other day, and I saw this on Gab. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. You know who knows where this guy's coming from? But he saw a <laughs> um, he saw a like a public school that had done a mural where it was like America is and then like the kids would fill in what America is right and um, basically and again I don't know if this is real like you don't know where this guy's coming from but it strikes me as very realistic you know people basically were putting you know the McDonald's symbol and you know the LGBT flag and the Apple symbol like and, and all this like corporate stuff and you know just nonsense like like if that's what America is I'm not defending any of that <laughs> I, I don't care. Like McDonald's could not exist as far as I'm concerned. It makes no difference to me. So like, I, I do think though that there's like, I, I don't know. I, I don't, obviously I've never been put in this situation. I hope I would be doing the right thing if we were invaded. But like to some sense, it's been so degraded. We've been so beaten down that like, it's almost like, all right, well, it's whatever. Well, hopefully the next ruler's better. <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Right. And that's sad for me to say, because, you know, my father was in the military and, you know, he rose me to be, a patriotic guy and stuff like that but it, you know there's an identity crisis it's it's a big one it's a big one yeah mm-hmm. so yeah, i agree last thing i guess I'll what say i'm saying the... is i'm just a coward yeah that's, that's <laughs> so how people will interpret here. that but no, you know, I, yeah. I, I get it so you'll uh, fight for that flag well, 80 <laughs> the last thing i would say w- with that is like uh well actually it's kind of a layup for you john because you we were talking and it and it you said something that i thought was really well, insightful but i was just saying like you know there's a lot of people like well i'm just a citizen of the world right and that makes right. me think of like the 1960s Jesus. and stuff like that you know when you know we, we are were, the world we are we the people going to, you know like when yeah. the vietnam and stuff like that and there was protesting and problems and some of them legitimate but the but the point is like i'm just a citizen of the world on the one hand and then on the other i think of uh, acts 29 that i used to be a part of and like pastors and the gospel centered everything kind of tribe that were all about uh, in and for your city man our church we're a church in and for the city and so it's like I, you would see pastors, church planters. I remember I would go to, you know, meet church planters and go and, you know, visit their homes. And they would usually have like a city, like a city flag 
if there was some kind of city flag, you know, or what, like San Diego uh, Patriots or something like, they would have like a flag on attached to their home outside flying that was either like a city, you know, and then they would have no problem talking about like identifying with the world and sure. humanity at a home. Sure. So it's like world on, on one end, city on the other. Both of these are good, but right in the middle, nation. And so it's not just, my point is, it's not just Christian nationalism, um, you know, it, but it's nationalism. And, and, and that contains all the connotations that we started this with, John, that you laid out. But just really, just to make it as simple as possible, nations. People just don't like nations. Yeah. They don't think we should have nations. And so... That's because the yeah. cities are global outposts. That's, they're multicultural. That's, that's what I want to lay it up for, yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they're they're not... That, that's the whole like premise of New Wave Evangelicalism from the beginning was to try to train these pastors who like... You could go to California, you could Arkansas, go to Canada. It doesn't matter where this pastor is. Like, they're going to be a leader. We're going to train them for the new global uh, emerging, you know, community. And well, it, it did matter where they were in this sense, anywhere yeah. in the world, but they needed, it needed to be urban. We don't really need well, to plant churches in podunk places, big city. Yeah. I'm talking big about like, city. like 1950s, like new evangelicalism. Oh, cause, cause what was I'm, happening I'm thinking like nine. Yeah. I think that's progressed yeah. to like now. Um, so, so we're training these leaders that can like be in any metropolitan area, but as soon as they get out in a cornfield and try to like, you know, impose whatever they learn from the seminary, the people are like, what? You know, it doesn't make sense to them. And it, right. it's, and, and then they think like, oh, I'm just educated. You're not. And it's, right. you know, you talk down to them, but like, it, it, it's a certain demographic that we're training for. And the reason, there's a very specific reason for this. And, and it, it's because we're trying to get influential people that gain the ear, bend the ear of the influential person, try the popular people, try to get them to like what we're doing. And then right. they can carry the water further. So like this would happen in youth group. I don't know if AD, I don't know if you would grew up in youth group or Joel. I don't know. Yeah. Did you, so like I, in some youth groups, there is this tendency to like try to identify those leaders so That's early. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, Oh, like we're yep. all like, oh, six, yeah. we're like 15 year olds, like picking our yeah. nose, trying to figure out like who girls are. And it's like, you already got the youth leader trying to take you under his wing. Like I could see you being a pastor. Like I could really right. like, like that kid doesn't know like what he, you know, but the, I think the tendency was, and they usually pick guys who are like good looking, like how oh, you play the guitar, you know, yeah, you yeah. could like all these different things, like an itemized list. And, and a lot of those guys like went off the deep end. Like they, they were never, you know, but they, they had popular appeal. So it was like the youth group was like this little experiment, like area where you would find out like, who are people drawn to? Who's the pop? Who's going to emerge as the popular figure? Right. Take that guy, put him in the pulpit somewhere, put the youth pastor in big church. And like, that's going to be the person that everyone else is going to kind of be drawn to. And so the media, you know, centers of media power in cities. You're not going out to, you know, the fields of Indiana to try to get a global platform. And, and that's what we're all playing to. And Christianity is this global platform because it, it, what's happened is, and not to beat the Puritan thing to a dead, you know, horse, but for, going from back to it, man, yeah. going back to it. <laughs> from, it's, it's gone. Do not pick on the Puritans. <laughs> It's gone from being a city on a hill, taking that verse, which really applies to the church, applying right. it to That's a place, true. applying it to America and saying we have a covenant with God using verses that are attributed to Israel to a, a country or a place that we're in. That's now become like we uh, we're going to be the global like city on a hill. It's not even like contained in, a, in an actual area where Christians are working to build this community and they feel they have a covenant with God. Now it's like. 
no, like Christianity is going to like, we're, we're going to take over the whole world, this global mission that, that this church has. And the only way to do it is to by impacting cities. You can't do it any other way. Okay. I, I, so I didn't Go. speak before because I didn't understand what you were saying about mm-hmm. the Puritans. I mean, you know, I went to public school. You, know, you can't blame me. <laughs> but, I, but I think I know what you're saying now because, because the reality is that like, this is, this is an intentional thing. So what you're saying is totally intentional. And I, I've heard people say this exact thing. Look, if we could only get, you know, like one Wall Street guy or one media guy or stuff like that. I used to work on Wall Street. So like, that's why they were telling me because maybe I had some connections. Like, how powerful would that be for the kingdom? You know, because, because you know, what the city does, that influences the kids in the country. You know, think about rap music. You know, all the kids in the country are, are doing rap music now. Where did, where did it start? It started in the city. So you see, the gospel is going to spread just like that. So all we need is like one, you know, Wall Street guy to bankroll it. We need some media guys to, to spread the message. And that's why you see, you know, you know, a guy like Tim Keller uh, promoting, uh, what's the comedian that he... Oh, said, yeah. Stephen Colbert. Right? Stephen Colbert, Colbert, right. Colbert. Right, because right. in his mind, what Colbert is doing there is being that city on a hill. Yes. What, what, what's actually happening, though, is he's just sending this compromised, watered-down, um, non-gospel message at all, and he's just there, and they're like, well, sure, you're one of us, we, you can be on our well, platform. So what should right. be happening and, and in the scripture... Uh, when when God's talking to Israel, what he says is that, and I think this is an evangelistic type of thing. It's not exactly uh, one-to-one, but he says that people are going to see how close you are to me because based on your law, right? How righteous it is. They're going right. to look at it and they're going to be like, wow, those people are so close to God. How, I mean, no, no one's ever heard of such a thing. Their law is so righteous, right? And it's going right. to be based on your be, on your behavior and your laws and all that. On all of that. Um, what I think... <laughs> What I think that guys like Tim Keller translated something like that to is, well, if you say you're a Christian, then that's going to be good for the gospel, literally no matter what you do. So you can be for abortions, you can be promoting sodomy, but if you're a Christian on a big platform, that's going to be good for the cause of Christ. Right. right. And it's like, how does that, like to me, I don't even know what how to to even begin criticizing yeah, that because it's just sense. so ridiculous. But but I, I think that's kind of what you were trying to say about. Well, I, okay. let me let me read. Uh, so the John Winthrop, right? For we must consider. This is the line. For we must consider that we will be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people will be upon us, mm-hmm. so that if we deal falsely with our God and His work we have undertaken, and so uh, cause Him to withdraw His present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through all the world. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on. He actually closes with Deuteronomy thirty. He gives the charge Moses gave, right? And and there's certain aspects of this. I think are very beautiful. I yeah, I don't have any. Problem. Um, well, here's the thing, though, like the setting up the, this verse doesn't is actually sitting upon a hill. What What is that? Is that the given church. to a nation? It's the church. Yeah, for sure. He's not talking to the church here. Right. No, I know. Right? He's talking to so, America. So this so but. this idea of um, we're going to take over an influential something, a, a section of land that everyone's going to look at the eyes of the world, uh, a media corporation uh, a you know a city we're gonna we need something that everyone's looking at a shiny sure. object right but then then we can like you know so the idea being that I, they're I, already looking at this because this is the city you know everyone's there they're already there they're doing commerce and so we so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna i guess harness that somehow but the problem is like if they change that city so so let's just say Colbert was like an, an honest Christian, like a legitimate Christian who said Christian things. He didn't promote sodomy and things like that. Like, obviously, he wouldn't have access to that show anymore. They'd kick him out That's in two right. seconds flat. Yeah, for sure. Right? So for him to be there is not helpful in any way as long as he's, you know, just 
going along with the program, right? He's a pagan as as far as anyone knew up well, until that he's, moment. He's Christian in name and Catholic, but Christian in name and not in practice. Sure. So so if 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 there was a situation that was different, so let's say that um, you know, most everyone's Christians. It's the post-millennial hope. You know, we can talk about that, John. You just listen in for <laughs> just listen in for the time being, right? Well, I still want to come back go, and go respond the, to what John said with John Winthrop. He doesn't right? like what I said about John Winthrop. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we can go, <laughs> well, go there ahead. right now if go you want. Ahead. I kind of lost my train of thought, though. Okay, no, no, <laughs> I got it. I got, I got, I got. So if, if the situation were different, and you know, you know, you know, people are Christian, and you don't, no one has to even tell anyone about Christ because everyone's a Christian. You know, and I say everyone, I mean most people. Um, There'd be there 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 would be nothing wrong with having a a Christian talk show host being a Christian, right? That'd be great. That would be great for the kingdom of God. Look, he's funny. He's a Christian, stuff like that. Um, but that's not the situation we're in right now. The situation we're in right now is he's compromised. That's not good for the kingdom of God. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not how to be a Christian right. to compromise with the world until enough people pay but, attention but, to you. But even just then, the, the whole thought of like we need that platform to reach. Like sure. God's God's going to use the weak things. He's sure. going to use faithful people. And it'd be great if we had well, that platform. Like, platform is not Apostle bad, Paul, but yeah. but but it's definitely not necessary. Right. That, there's that, no strategic. Yeah. There's no strategic like must have that platform. Right. 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 The, the Apostle Paul is right. clear that right. like God saves through the foolishness. Of preaching, and so God uses the foolish. God, I mean, we see that pattern throughout both the Old and New Testament, again and again. Gideon is like, "Hey, I want the glory, so let's whittle it down. Let's make it smaller, more insignificant." So I totally agree with what you're saying, John and Ad. You, you guys are both saying that. That said, though, I think that I'm going to bow out because I don't have the historical knowledge. So okay, go, go right ahead. So I think I, I, think should, God, I should apologize for bringing it up. No, 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 no. <laughs> but I think I think God works in that way through ministers, uh, through Christians, through gospel. Uh, through preaching, the foolishness of preaching, but I think God also um, God also works like a, like a Christian business, right? Or like I think who was it Luther who said that you know the first you know the the first call of the gospel upon the cobbler is not that he makes Christian shoes, but that he makes good shoes, right? You know, so when I say a Christian business, I don't see it's I don't mean it's a Christian business because it has John three sixteen on the bottom of the inside of the cup, uh, but I mean it's a Christian business because it's really really good. Because the owners are genuine Christ-professing Christians who do their work as unto the Lord, and and as um, uh, to be to be a blessing to people, uh, because they love they love Christ, and so to have a Christian business, um, I I think that you can like one of the one of the questions that really we're begging is is there such a thing as a Christian nation outside of Israel? And I think that there is. I think that that um, if a bunch of people get together and and covenant, I mean the the people who came. Uh, they a uh, uh, huge. I mean, there were multiple people who settled settled in America, but one of the groups were called the Covenanters, Scottish Covenanters. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like the idea of like, is it possible to come to a land and to covenant together that 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 you want to have a holy nation, a nation that is in covenant with God, that's going to abide by His law and those things? And I know there's a lot of arguments about, but was that really America's history? Right, because you've got John Locke and guys like that who are arguably, you know, barely Christian, or are they Christian? And so I, I understand all that and the, nat- <clears throat> the difference between natural law versus divine law, and like, is this distinctly Christian? Um, but my my point yeah. is that I do think it is possible for nations, not just, marriages. I think a marriage is a covenant between three people: the two, the, the husband, the wife, and the Lord um, is is present there. To where if I forsake my marriage vows to my wife, um, I have forsaken the Lord. I have I have um, I have not been faithful. 
faithful to Megan and I have not been faithful to Jesus in a very real sense. And the Lord will hold me accountable for that. So I think there are covenants in families. There's, uh, there are, I mean, even like, so this, this Sunday, I'm going to be presenting new members who signed a membership covenant. So there's covenants with local churches. Right. Um, but, but I think there is a, such a thing as a covenant with nations. And so I, I would be of the position that I would say in terms of, well, is America a Christian nation? I would say, um, America was a Christian nation. And that's what's so frightening is that, that, that we actually did have a covenant with the Lord and we're currently an apostatizing nation. Um, and, and the judgment that we're, that we're currently racking up is going to be severe if there is not true repentance. And I, I don't think we would. And so, yeah, you're right. I, City on a hill, that refers to the church. But that's the Puritans, man. John Bunyan talks about right. the, the, the hooves that parteth of the gospel is two parts. And like, I mean, the, you look at Thomas Watson's exegesis. Those guys, those guys took liberty when it came to exegesis. You know, they're taking text and it always applies to this. It applies to this. Yeah, the, the thing about the, the covenant. Right. So, so in the same, because you said earlier, like that we're not the new Israel, right? So, right. so, the, so that covenant, that. that covenant has to be much different, right? Yeah, there, there can't, can't yes. be the same kind of. It covenant. is a lighter covenant. Not so, all covenants so, so are the same. If, if it's a blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, like mm-hmm. I'm totally with you. Like, yes, we we want to cultivate a country that recognizes like this. I think I think that's what Christian nationalism. That's that's what they're afraid of, and I think this is the basic tenet because most of the people involved in this aren't trying to like make it you know implement the Mosaic Law in the United States. It's more of just like a recognition that sure. like we have God. God, God, it's a Christian conception of God, and it's one of the glues that hold us holds us together. And we need glue to hold us together right well, now sure. more than anything. Like we we don't have much, and so Christianity, um, I think, is is probably the most. I mean, that's the most basic part, most fundamental part of someone their religion. So, right. um, so, so I think there's even people who aren't Christians that are kind of like gravitating uh, to this. Um, so, so that would I'm, be the distinction. And I think the boogeyman I'm, is I'm that I'm with you though. That I'm I'm not saying America right. has a covenant with the Lord like Israel did. Right, and I'm certainly not saying that some America of the Puritans thought Israel. that. I'm not saying they all did, yeah. but yeah, you're, that, you're right. There, but I'm saying, is... but I do think that there is something a lighter covenant. And in terms of the Mosaic Law, I mean, we had we had the Ten Commandments on our courthouses. Right, right, right. No, so absolutely, we're, we're I mean, Christian was, influence, or, or the way I like to say it is, we were founded in the context of a people who uh, held to Christian ideals. And so mm-hmm. those Christian ideals influenced our country, right. Christian principles. Uh, but yeah, there's no Christian nation in the sense that like, you're never gonna have a nation that 100% of the people are saved. Like, Regenerate, no, never I, gonna I don't have mean it. that. Right. No. Um, and there's no Christian church probably that, you know, as soon as you have kids, you're going to have like some unregenerate people in the church. So like within, and that gets into a whole covenantal discussion. Well, that it AD also would gets love, into but, Joe Boone's um, super helpful with Ezra Institute and just drawing out the distinction. There's a distinction between the church and the kingdom of God. And I, I don't know, you, we, we may not be on the same, uh, completely agree with this, but every time the, the church only grows through conversion regeneration souls gospel being preached and people being saved um, sovereignly by god so the church only grows numerically Uh, the church only numerically grows through conversion one way Um, whereas the kingdom of god um, is not synonymous with the church so the growth of the mustard seed or the leaven through the whole batch of dough um, it is the christianization of nations Um, and and I think that's a legitimate category where not everybody's regenerate in the nation, um, but the nation is um, executing God's law. The nation is, uh, a, I think you can have a Christian nation without having everybody in the nation being Christian. 
Does, does that make sense? There does need to be a cert, like, yeah, because England you would say they're a Christian nation, and I'm, well, and right now England's right. not so, no, they're right, not. the Great no, Britain. No, 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 but, yeah. but there, so, so there, yeah, there does need to be, like, a general respect, probably, but it's hard to quantify it. It's hard to, like, say, like, okay, at what point is this Christian, at what point is this not? But, yeah, the Christian influence, sure. Like, if that's what we're meaning, like, this, inf- this nation is, that's the primary influence, Christianity. Uh, not any other religion. It's it's Jesus who we worship. Then, absolutely, and and we want to return to that. That's what right. Christian nationalists. This is a the thing. They're not trying to do anything new. They're like actually like they're trying to look back at something that used sure. to be, and they're right. saying like kind of want to go back to that. Yep, that's right. Um, and, and so yeah, this whole like accusation that they're implementing a theocracy and like you're not even an American unless you you know hold to these tenets. Or, like they're not saying that. Uh, so, so yeah, it's a boogeyman that serves their interests, but the, the interest is to, to get rid of the idea of nation, that there's no that's definition right. to it. And that's just not true. That's something God implemented. And it's been recognized by everyone up until five seconds ago. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely so, right. Biblically speaking, the, like, yes, there were cities mentioned in the Bible and, and maybe to some level and identifying with a particular city like Jericho or this or that, but the, the Bible would place the lion's share of the emphasis on um, people identifying with nations rather than individual cities. Oh, I, I belong to, yes, there's something to be said for Bethlehem and there's something to be said for Jerusalem, but, um, but Israel is a bigger deal. Um, you know, Moab is a big, you know, so right, right, nations right. is where the emphasis is. And so to deny nations while still affirming cities and the, like is a, a, just biblical, biblically it's a contradiction of categories. It just, yeah. It's well, cities have become more just like the global centers outpost. of commerce. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, right. they're not like centers of it. it it's not like um, the things passed down in culture are retained in cities. Yeah. Right. They're global hub points. They're yeah. Like, yeah, like we even like flying into Austin. Like, I don't know if you thought this AD, but uh, you know, Austin's got its own character, right? You keep Austin weird, right? There's it's certain bad. things, <laughs> but, but in, in some ways, like I'm realizing this more and it's cause it's changed even during my lifetime to some extent. If I fly into a major city, almost anywhere in the United States, I'm like, well, it's like, it's like the same thing. Like I, I have the same basic, like, you know, places I can eat and places I can shop and sure. like the, the people, like you have your same kind of groups and a lot of, um, it, and I was telling Danielle, my, my wife, uh, later on, like we're going to go visit a Waco, right? She wants to see Waco. Mm-hmm. And I told her like, it's going to be highway up there. If we really want to see kind of like what makes Texas different, like let's, let's get off the highway a little bit. Let's kind of like see like, what are the common people that, that are involved in local industry? Like, how did they live? What are they like? Um, it's getting harder and harder, right? Yeah. So, so I, I think that, you know, that, that has, that's related to the, the whole like erosion of, of local identities and national identities yeah. and all that too. Yeah. Just right. for the record, I just so. want to say, because I agree with John that, that people that are accused of being Christian nationalists in general are not in favor of theocracy. But I just wanted to, just for the record, <laughs> here we go. I am in favor of theocracy. I know you are. Thank you for saying well, it. Well, Jesus is going to come back and yeah. they're not going to have an option so, really. So, theocracy just delayed. Yeah. The, the delayed <laughs> impending theocracy. Yeah. Jesus is going to come. But yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, he's going to come back and then enforce. But to your point though, yeah. I, I think again, most of the people that are recognizing that, you know, we ought to be like we ought to recognize our Christian heritage. We ought, ought to recognize that as part of our nation. Most of them aren't looking for theocracy, but they are no, keying not. in on a very important uh, aspect of what it is to be a nation, like what what it is to be a group of people. Like, like your religion is a huge part of that. Yeah, and I think that a lot of most other countries get this right. It's like like it's it, it, we're the kind of the oddballs. Like the West is kind of the oddballs. Like 
You go to Saudi Arabia, they understand that to be a Saudi Arabian is to be a Muslim. And and they're so it's so ingrained in their mind that like they they assign us Christianity. So if you're American, you're a Christian right. to them because it's like it's obviously you have to have a religion, right? And it's almost like well, they don't even understand like what it would be to be an American but not a Christian. It doesn't right. even compute to them. Or if you go to because uh, they Ethiopia. think of nations in terms of religion. Right. There are national religions. This right. is yeah. Well, that plays into Russia, Ukraine too. I mean, sure, sure. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, my my point is like. It's it's really not quite it's not as complicated as we're thinking. It's like yeah, it's, like like our family is a Christian family. Now I happen to be Presbyterian, so I believe my my kids are are Christians. But like even a Baptist family who didn't baptize their kids, you're still a Christian family, even though your kids haven't been baptized absolutely. yet, and they haven't right. you know they haven't fully absolutely. adopted Christianity yet. It's not weird to call your family a Christian family, absolutely. right? And so you get it. You totally understand what that means, that we're a Christian family. That's right. Or we're a Christian church. Me and my house, yeah. Right. So, like, it's really not more complicated than that. It shouldn't be anyway. What we don't do, though, is tell our kids that, like, hey, if you are if you don't receive Christ, like, you're out of the family, right? Right. There's still something sure. else. So they're, they're involved in the family. Sure. But, like, yeah, mom and dad have laid down the rules, and they're right. Jesus' sure. well, rules. But what sure. we would do is we say, you're not out of the family, and we'll always love you, but we are a Christian family. Um, and he is the Lord. I would say he is the Lord of our household, whether you acknowledge him or not, whether you love him or hate him, bless him or curse him. He is Lord, um, of our household and you're part of this household. He is your Lord and you either love him or hate him, but he is the Lord. And I, and, and I would say that at a national level, say like, um, Jesus is Lord and his law is supreme. It's either autonomy or theonomy. It's either God's law that never changes or it's man's law that's constantly shifting, constantly evolving, which is the problem that we're in right now. And this is a Christian nation. We've made a covenant with the Lord. That's why we've been so blessed. We are apostatizing currently. That's why things are going to crap. And we need to return, not just to biblical principles, not just returning to conservative. We need to return to the Lord Jesus and say his name. Yeah. We need to return not just to a set of principles, but to a person that, that we forsook. And until we do that, and that doesn't mean each individual heart being regenerate, yeah. but that does mean the leaders of our nation. And, and, and I do believe that in terms of Christian nations, I, I do believe that the leaders of the nations um, should be predominantly Christian. Now, that now lesser of two evils and, and in terms of a two-party system and me voting, I'm not saying I won't vote for a guy unless, unless I know for sure that he's regenerate. I didn't even know how I would be able to do that. But my point is, I think that a, a, a nation can be Christian and therefore we should aspire to them having, uh, that nation having Christian leaders. Yeah. And that doesn't mean even that the, uh, that, not not only that everyone is regenerate, but it doesn't even mean the majority of people. It may be 30%, 40% that are actually truly regenerate people in terms of the citizenship of the nation. But you have those appointed who are leaders who, and, and honestly, Israel is a great example of this. Israel, most of them died in unbelief. That's one of the big reasons why I'm a Baptist is because I like to think, I don't want to think that it's the same uh, same substance of grace, but two administrations. Because mm. then I'm like, man, that first administration really, really, really sucked. It was very uh, non-effective. The, the minority report actually were regenerate. So my, my point is, but Israel was still, when, when you had Moses at the helm, Israel was... Uh, you know, I mean, they, they were grumbling, they were complaining, their hearts were hardened. The majority wanted to go back to Egypt. Um, but but the nation as a whole was still working its way through the wilderness and doing this and doing that because it had a few good leaders. So the minority were regenerate. 
um, in, in my assessment, in my reading of those passages, I would say the majority of Israel was unregenerate and, and is currently in hell right now yeah. to this day. Um, the minority was regenerate and yet they were Christian because the minority were those in positions of influence that the Lord, because ultimately it's the Lord, agency through votes and democracy, sure, God uses agency, human agency, but ultimately it's the Lord who appoints kings and rulers and this and that, and the Lord could do it. The Lord could do it in America where only 20% is regenerate, but that America is pursuing the Lord. And I do think that that paves the way, the gospel explodes in trying context, but the gospel also explodes in context of liberty, in, in good context. And I think sometimes it's like we we try to make persecution happen because the blood of the martyrs is the seedbed of the church. And so <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But the gospel also explodes in, in liberty. I love what you freedom. just said about that. You reckon it's a person that was that that was just. Yeah, it's not just a it's Jesus, right? That, yeah. That's what we're talking about. Jesus here. And and the idea that any any self-proclaimed Christian would just be against recognizing Jesus publicly of saying, you know, I don't know if you all believe in Jesus. Like, I don't know if everyone's regenerate in that sense, but, but Jesus is the Lord. That's and right. like, we're just going to, gravity exists by the way, everyone like, right, <laughs> right. like Jesus is Lord. Right. And, um, and we're just going to live under his law. We have to, we, we have right. to choose a law and it's going to be his. And so. he has a law. And I think that's part uh, yeah, of it also is yeah. evangelicals would, would, yes, Jesus is the Lord. Let's turn to Jesus, but Jesus doesn't have a law. Which was, by the way, and, I'll, and I'll, it's one of the strengths of the Puritans. I got to put a good point in their side. Like that was, <laughs> right. Since I, I just like. Since uh, I was since so personally offended. Yeah, sorry. As though I am a Puritan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually 400 years old and. and yeah. yeah. But that, that was one of the things, like it was such a noble thing to want to like conform everything to Christ. Like we right. just, we want right. Christ to be the king here and acknowledge him. And even if, you know, our kids halfway covenant and all that, right. they're not going to accept it. The like daughter. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, every generation has to renew that. that like right. that's, we, that's as right. Christians, we know like our kids could also like, you know, carry on the family that if they're not Christian, it's not going to carry on. That's so right. we do work. It takes a lot of work to, to um, try to instill these values and right. make people understand Jesus is Lord. And, yep. and so, um, so, so that's what we're in right now, right? One generation, you know, has really changed their view on this. Yep. And I can't remember who said it, so, but he basically said the first generation believes the gospel. Second one assumes the gospel. Third one neglects the gospel. Fourth one rejects the gospel. It may have been D.A. Carson. Um, and so it's probably Puritan. Anyways, yeah, but it was, yeah, <laughs> but, but that's, that's where we're at is we, 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 uh, we have had generations that were taught the what, but not the why. And now we're not even taught the what anymore, you yeah. know? And, and so, yeah, we have to, we have to train up our, our children in the fear and admonition. Of One the of my wife's brothers the other day, when I say the other day, I mean, within the last year or so, take that with a grain of salt, but I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was, he was frustrated with like hearing about some killing in a school or something. And he's like, oh, you know, this is what happens when you take God out of prayer out of the school. And this guy's, as far as I know, he's an atheist. I, you know what I mean? Like, right. And so, but, but, so I was like, kind of curious about it. It's kind of weird. Like, why would he even say that? Right. And um, so, but that impulse, that's, that's a common impulse, I think, these days, right? Where people are recognizing the issues that, like, walking away from Christ has consequences. Now, mm-hmm. the, the, the way that I think a lot of evangelicals that talk about Christian nationalism want to give you, the, like, the boogeyman that they have is, oh, you're just talking about cultural Christianity. You just want to, you're promoting cultural Christianity. And, and I'm not, but, but I, I recognize, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, that Cultural Christianity is far preferable That's right. to cultural pluralism. I was about to say, far, I, it's oh, not yeah. totally. It's not yeah. going to save you, right. but it's much better for the nation. That's right. And and so you know, I, I think I heard Doug Wilson say this that like 
you know, when people say that, you know, Trump's just pandering to Christians, it was like, well, he's, at least finally someone's pandering to us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether Trump's a Christian or not, if he's pandering to Christians, that's good for me. That's good for the nation mm-hmm. because he's going to try to do things that he thinks are going to please me as a Christian. Hopefully mm-hmm. I have a good morality. So it's going to be good things, right? Whether right. he's doing it for the right reasons or not, that's really not my concern, right? The, yeah, the Cyrus is that, was good. Sure. It, it's, so, so my point is like nominal Christianity, like, we've been kind of taught to just sort of cringe at that and be like, that's what we should reject. And I I don't think that's actually to our benefit to reject that. We don't want people to stop there, of course, but nominal Christianity is way better than nominal paganism. That's right. And that's what I was trying to say earlier in terms of the distinction. So I would call that cultural Christianity, at least in some sense. There's some things I would reject because there are are times where cultural Christianity in print, cultural, cultural Christianity is exclusively principles and not person of Jesus principles. But there are sadly times where cultural Christianity is actually not even, not even culturally Christian (laughs) because it actually, even in the principles are not actually in alignment with biblical principles. But insofar as cultural Christianity, um, actually has, uh, accurate, consistent remnants, principle remnants of, of the Bible. Um, then, then I would liken that to the leaven. And a, and, mm-hmm. and a loaf of dough, um, the mustard seed that becomes a tree. Um, the tree itself may not be um, a, a conversion or, or regenerate, but but it provides shade for the beasts of the field and where the birds can land and find rest. And like blesses um, everyone, having, yeah. it blesses everyone, right? There, there are there are practical. Doesn't save everyone necessarily um, in terms of individual. I'm not a universalist. Uh, each and indiv- every individual being regenerate. That's not going to happen. But I do think that um, America, I think America is the closest we've gotten thus far in terms of a tree, right? And the Puritans, yes, so the city on the hill is the church. Saying. But but yeah, a lot of work. But as, <laughs> as far as a tree that sprung up and, and, and did spread its branches, and, and these branches did some harm, but these branches also really did cast some some cooling helpful shade and provide some fruit for for multiple people and it's because the root uh, really was in the scripture not perfect integrity and fidelity to the scripture uh, but we have far rebelled now and that tree is withering the sun is poking through now the shade's not there like it used to be there's not as much fruit there's not as much and it and and I think Doug said this also he said the solution when Christendom fails, uh, 1.0 is uh, he said I think we should stick with Christum and go for 2.0 you know Constantine but there was some bad thing like you know right. he didn't get it right but but I think the solution is maybe we try it again you know and that's controversial but like I would well, be of the, that persuasion the socialists keep trying again what that's results right. in like in genocides hell, every time ten, right? yeah every time they so. try 10 million people die <laughs> they, they want another they get one another, another try. shot at it yeah right? so I want yeah. another try at Christendom yeah so <laughs> All right, well, let's... You're going to get it. Christ is coming. I hate to... That's, yeah, that's I mean, true. I mean, I want to break it That's true. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and even better than that, that's so hopeful. And even better news than that, Christ is already ruling and reigning now. And we can... In America. Uh, in I mean, the world. In, in the world. In the whole in the world. Universe. In the yeah. whole world. <laughs> can All I right. say one thing, yeah, yeah, too? I know, yeah. I know we're running out of time here, but like... Yeah. I, I believe that the Christian nationalist you know, boogeyman, the, the pejorative yeah, yeah. is a placeholder for just Christian. They're going to drop the that's nationalism. Right. Yes. That's They're going right. to drop. Yes. And, and the fact that so many Christians don't see that is that it, all it means is Christian. 
and they're going to remove that nationalism in, in the next <laughs> Christians months. trying to exert influence. That's all. It is. Yeah, that's like, what it, yep. like that's keep what it in your church. That's yeah. what it means. And and the quicker you drop that as a pejorative, the the better it's going to be for everybody because you're going to find yourself on the side of the persecutor eventually. That's right. It's just that simple. Yeah, unless unless it's uh, the one thing that seems to still be acceptable, at least at some level, is it's pietism. And I think all three of us yeah. would, would completely disagree with it's this privatized lordship. It's pietism. It's it's all spiritual. It's all private. It's all home and church, home and church, home and church. And and so really Christian nationalism just means Christian, like exactly what you said, and something beyond just pietism. And um, and those are the ones who are like back in your cage, back in your churches, shut your mouth. You know, so. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, we're gonna, yeah, we're going to face pushback. But at the same time, I feel like. We're going to face pushback. We already have. We'll face some more. But at the same time, I feel encouraged because I feel like, in some sense, I feel like we're getting some good blows in. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, like there's well, some positive things happening. That. It's so. going to be guys like you. It's going to be the pastors who, you know, don't even maybe have the hugest platform, but there's a lot of them across the right. country that are They're leading right. their people faithfully. And they are lights in the world. They are showing others a better way. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, right? It, right. It's like, it, it expands, it's a slow progressive thing. That's it's right. not something that right. you can just impose from above That's by right. getting a celebrity or, you know. Yep. So. I remember one uh, pastor friend of mine, he said, it starts small, grows slowly, Loving. and becomes significant. Yeah. And that's, such it is with the kingdom of God. So, Amen. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys were blessed by this. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick. Before you go, do us a small favor, take a moment, and leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. This is undoubtedly the best way that you can help us get this biblically faithful content to as many people as possible. Thanks so much.